0: Amen, give God a round of applause when that awesome man love worshiping God in his house. And we're going to talk to you this morning, biblically and theologically, why what you just sang about is so relevant and practical in your home and in your life this morning. And we want to welcome you to Connect Church, those of you that are in the house. Man, we got a great crowd here this morning. Uh, thank you, guys. We've got so many new families that are now coming to our church, and, and I'm meeting them, and I'm like, yeah, we've been here before. Connect Church family, uh, with all these new families coming, just let them know how much we love new families in our church. Give them a round of applause and say, welcome, man. We we are so glad to have you you're the reason we exist here as we love sharing the gospel my name is Terry Pierce I've had the wonderful privilege of being the lead pastor here uh, for a long time now and today And today uh, we are launching in a new sermon series out of the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Luke talking about God's plan for our lives and now we've got 24 chapters in this book of the Bible and so if you guys know me a little bit and we're gonna go verse by verse through all 24 chapters that we probably should finish this up in the next 8 to 10 years and uh, But we're going to cover this. It's a big adventure, and uh, it's going to be awesome, and I know you guys are going to enjoy that part of it. And, and here's the thing. Some of you that are Bible students, and you've been to class, so you're thinking already, oh my goodness, why is Brother Terry launching the Gospel of Luke in October? We're going to spend two chapters talking about the birth of jesus at halloween that just doesn't make sense and then for those of you that are in the room that had no clue that the first two chapters are about the birth of jesus christ i just want to say to you heathens uh just kidding just kidding and uh and if you remember growing up you watched peanuts and charlie brown And remember, now you're going to get this, even if you don't know the Bible, remember Charlie Brown Christmas? And how Linus sits at the piano and he recounts Luke chapter 2 and that glorious scene of Linus in his blanket and he's, you know, talking about the birth of Jesus when you could talk about Jesus on TV. And anyway, and so he does that whole story. And so now you're up to date and thinking, you know, why are we doing this at Halloween? And by the way, if you didn't know any of those, you've never watched Charlie Brown, good grief. (laughs) anyway, uh, and so you uh, never watched Charlie Brown or you didn't know about Luke chapter 1 and 2 I just want you to know that all heathens are welcome at our church Uh, whether or not you've watched Phoenix or whether or not you knew about Luke 1 and 2 and matter of fact, if you grew up in my day and go to church and you didn't know about Jesus' birth in Luke 1 and 2 the preacher would have called you out and here's what he would have said listen We don't want you heathens in our church, and so that's how we used to say it back in the day when the preacher really got into it, you heathens. But anyway, I don't know why I said that, but uh, you're welcome in our church, and we wanna share with you today that we are not gonna start in Luke chapter two this morning, but we're gonna tell you a little bit about this story and tell you where we're gonna launch at this morning. As I did all of my analytics, and we're going through the scriptures and the commentaries and all those things, here's a couple of things that you need to know as we dive into this sermon series. The Gospel of Luke is what we call a synoptic gospel. Now the word synoptic means just simply coming together. And the Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic gospels. John has a different purpose in its writing. These first three tell us about the history of Jesus, and we're going to illustrate to you why that's important to know this. And then the Gospel of John is just different. Amen, Tanner? Uh, His favorite. Uh, But anyway, and we're going to share with you guys, and one of the other things that we did in the research of this that you need to know that the author of this book is Dr. Luke. He was literally a medical physician. And now this is interesting. You may not have known this part of it who discipled the Apostle Paul. After Paul's conversion, Dr. Luke would travel with him, Bubba, not only physically minister to him, but also help disciple the Apostle Paul. And this book is written maybe 40, 50 years uh, after the birth of Christ. And what you see in all the research and looking at all 24 chapters, it becomes very apparent that Luke writes his gospel with the sole purpose of recounting the stories of Jesus over and over again because the culture that him and the Apostle Paul was ministering to was chaotic at the time. Roman persecution. Churches had just been birthed. People didn't even know what a New Testament church was. And Paul writes, don't quit. I know it's crazy town where you guys are living at today I know that you don't even understand what this New Testament Church thing really is about and and its purpose but don't quit don't quit remember Jesus remember Jesus because God is screaming through the life of Jesus I have a plan God has a plan and if you'll follow that plan you're gonna get through this Could you imagine living in a chaotic season in our life where we needed to remember that God has a plan? I believe that God has called us to this time and this season for us in our church to be reminded that God still has a plan. And the first part of that plan that we're going to launch this morning is a great place to start. God has a plan to help you raise your children and that is the title of our message this morning and we're going to talk to you guys turning your Bibles to Luke 2 and 22 and uh, by the way we're going to come back to Luke 1 and 2 in December we're going to get to the story of Linus but anyway I mean the story of Jesus but anyway we're gonna get we're gonna get there but today we're gonna to begin launching the sermon series in Luke 2 22 today talking to you about a plan God's plan for you as parents and now, because I are one, grandparents as well. So every age needs to listen to this message today because you're all going to be included in this process. When it comes to talking about parenting, I've changed my views. I'm at a different stage in my life. And I totally relate, Lynn, to the professor. Before he had children, would lecture in seminars on what he called The Ten Commandments for Successful Parenting. And then after his first son, he retitled a series of lectures, The Ten Suggestions for Parenting. By the time he had his second son, he changed the title again, John, and is now called The Ten Hints for Parenting. And by the time he had his third son, I mean child, he quit lecturing and so that's sort of where I feel at today uh, you come to that place after you've had kids and it's like I don't know if I know anything at all about this but I know that's how I feel and as grandparents understand this but now let me talk to you with with kids this morning you parents in the throes of this crazy town life that you're living with all these youngins running around in this chaotic world of trying to raise kids maybe you could relate to this the policeman notices little Johnny in the subdivision, in the street, is riding his bicycle intensively and angrily. But he just rides on the side of the street where his house is at. And he just does this big old circle, and he keeps coming back around, and he just rides this circle. And the neighborhood policeman notices this and watches this for about an hour. And he finally couldn't take it anymore, and he, you know, rolls down his window and pulls up to Johnny, and he goes, Dude, what is going on? Are you okay? And little Johnny squares his head on that bicycle, tilts his head back, his frown. I mean, he's looking, and he looks at the policeman and he goes, I'm running away from home. And the policeman says, Well, buddy, uh, what's going on? He goes, I can't take it anymore. And so he says, Well, son, I noticed you've been riding your bike for an hour. I can tell you're angry. But why do you just keep going in a circle and not go anywhere? And he looks at him, and he's even more mad. Because my mom told me I can't cross the street. Uh, And so I know that that's sort of where, that's how our boys grew up. They were terrified of Belém. So anyway, I don't know where you're at today and where you're at in your circumstances, but we sort of feel like that way of crazy town with our kids, and and how are we going to do this? And It just seems like so much is going on. I want to set the stage for everything I want to talk about with a more serious story this morning. There was a gentleman who had taken his hear journal and was down by the creek. And he was just meditating, enjoying his time with God. And all of a sudden in the river, he hears a voice cry out. Help! Help me! I'm drowning! Somebody save me! And he puts his Bible down and he puts his ear journal down and he dives into the river. He was a good swimmer and he goes and he grabs this drowning person and he brings him to the bank and he's exhausted. And then all of a sudden he no more gets that guy to the bank. Then he hears another one crying out, help me. I'm drowning. Somebody save me. And he swims out and ferociously goes out in the river. Current, all that pulls the second body in. He does this six times. And by the time he gets the sixth body in, the screams are now beginning to multiply. And he cries out to God, exhausted. Hear me? Exhausted and wore out. God, I can't fix all of this. Please tell me. What in the world is going on upstream? And whatever it is, I need you to fix it. And that's exactly the argument that I want to make out of Luke chapter 2 this morning. It is the case of Joseph and Mary, of what they're wanting to pour into you as parents in your heart and life. There is no debate that across this country today, every parent and grandparent is going to agree, we are watching our children grow up even in the church and walk away from the faith walk away from Christianity walk away From the belief system that we hope that they would get and downstream we're losing our young people as they mature from teenagers to adulthood and every church and and across our communities in our campuses we're watching young people by the droves leave the faith and Christianity and I want to argue and contend this morning that what we're going to see in Luke chapter 2 that God's plan for you as parents is to address the issue upstream. God wants you to start with the birth of your child. God wants to change the way you raise your kids from the very beginning. And if we'll fix how we see the gift of God in our children upstream, I believe it will make a difference in how they turn out downstream. And so this morning, that is the challenge that lays before us in this opening chapter of Luke's gospel. We're going to see the only place in Scripture about the first 12 years of Jesus' life. Jesus upstream and how Joseph and Mary were used by God to impact baby Jesus. Luke chapter 2 and verse 22. And when the time had come for their purification, according to the law of Moses... They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. And every male who first opened the womb, who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, to offer a sacrifice according to what is said of the law of the Lord, and a pair of turtle doves, or two, pig, two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was a righteous and devout and waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit... Was upon him and it had been revealed to him by the spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ and it came in the spirit in the temple and he came in the spirit in the temple and when the parents brought in in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law he took him up in his arms now picture this intimate scene Simeon this old man takes baby Jesus into his arms and this is how he blesses God Lord now you are letting your servant depart in peace According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all of his peoples a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for your glory to the people of Israel. And his father and mother, Mary and Joseph, marveled what was said about Jesus. And Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, Behold, this child, now listen to this, is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel for a sign that is opposed and a sword Now you and I, let me just pause there for a second and hang out here. This is not in my notes, this is just free. Uh, You and I understand on this side of Calvary, any of us that have ever read the Bible, ever heard the story of the cross, we understand this. Mary and Joseph, Terry, had no idea what he was predicting here. He tells them, and by the way, you need to understand this, mom and dad, upstream, you need to get this through your thick head. The problem with your kids running away is we create this idea that our kids, if we go to church and we do everything right, they're never gonna have any problems. Simeon tells Joseph and Mary, your son will have a spear driven through him. You will have pain with your kid. And every grandparent in here understands exactly what I'm talking about. The blessings of kids are wonderful, Kids are wonderful, but you gotta know they will also bring great pain. There's challenge in this, and anybody telling you just because you bring your kids to church that it's all going to be okay, he tells Joseph and Mary, your heart and your side will be pierced, but listen to this, it doesn't end there, because it's not about whether your kid feels safe or happy, and this is what we've been missing all along. This is how we prepare our families upstream, so the thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. He says he's going to come through this pain, and he's going to change the whole world. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phineal, the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from the time that she was a virgin. Now notice what it also says. And then as a widow, she was 84. Now let me pause there for one last time too, because this is a message I don't have time to preach on, but you all need to take this home with you today. Here's the thing. Now notice. It says she was 84 years after the death of her husband. So let's say approximately 15 or 16, they married really young in those days and times, or if you're from Alabama. And, uh, and anyway, and so they were 15 or 16, and, and uh, she gets married. And seven years later, after they win the national championship, uh, her husband dies. And so now, notice this, 84 years have passed. Basically, Bible scholars concur, she was over 100 But notice, she loved the Lord. She's in the Spirit of God. And listen to this. She was so in love with with Jesus, she never got bitter. Are you listening to me this morning? Her life, her husband died seven years after she married him. She lived another 84 years. She wasn't mad at God. She wasn't bitter that her life didn't turn out like she wanted it to. She continued to follow Jesus and believe in him. And now she will be remembered for all of eternity as the mom, as the grandma mother who blessed baby Jesus somebody say amen there's a great lesson to learning that you guys are living with bitterness and anger because your life didn't turn out like it should be take a great lesson from Anna and choose to give it over to Jesus and let him give you a better life free no charge she would not depart from the temple she worshiped and fasted and prayed night and day and now coming up at the very hour she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him who was waiting for the redemption of Israel, of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, Joseph and Mary returned back to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And now the key verse that we launch all of this. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Every mom, dad, and grandparent, that verse needs to become your prayer for your kids and your grandkids. This is the purpose of this text. This is God's plan for you as parents. As you ask the question this morning, how did Jesus grow in wisdom and stature? Dr. Danny Akin, New Testament Bible scholar and, professor and seminary president, he says two simple words describe this text. Mary and Joseph were righteous parents. Now let me ask you the question this morning. Everybody look at me. What is God's plan for you as parents? What is God's plan for you as grandparents? What does God want you to do with these kids? Get out your notes this morning, and we're going to answer that question. Number one is we need to plan to pursue righteousness. God's plan for you to raise your kids, grandparents, is to pursue righteousness. Earlier in chapter 1, Joseph and Mary have an angel visit them. And the angel tells them, I want you to name this baby Jesus. Now, I don't know, Jared, how you and Courtney went over this whole thing about naming Jackson, but uh, if you were like Belen and I, you probably had a few discussions about what we we're going to call this kid. And let's just call it what it is. We had arguments, okay? Uh, and Belinda and I were so in disagreement about what to name our baby. I know this comes as a huge shocker. She was like going into labor where the kid shoots out and the whole thing. And all of that, we were going into the hospital, and we still could not agree on a name. And finally, the only way... That Aaron got named Aaron is we went over our sheets, and we're both analytical people, so we, she had her list and I had my list, and ain't want no name on that list that we agreed on. She had her way of thinking, I had mine, I was right. And anyway, uh, and so the only name that we didn't kill each other over, the only name that we agreed on in our list was Aaron. And when we were, when he was born in South Georgia, uh, apparently the Bible is wrong on the way you pronounce it uh, is in South Georgia how do you say it Aaron is uh, so when he was born drove Berlin nuts everybody announced in our church in our South Georgia church hey Blaine and Terry just had Aaron, uh, and anyway, and so it's Aaron, Blaine kept saying. But anyway, uh, but that's how we said Aaron, uh, and so uh, he thought that was his name for a long time, so that's why we moved to Mississippi. Uh, anyway, uh, so the truth of the matter is, is that we have, uh, you know, when we have, a bit, we get excited about all of this stuff, but notice what Joseph and Mary teach us, even in the very beginning about pursuing God's righteousness, is they listen to the angel of God. Now, I'm not saying that you guys have to have a moment and that you've got to listen to the angel of God tell you about what to name your baby. That's not my point. But my point is, is what Joseph and Mary tell us, teach us in this story, is that they made a decision in Luke 1 that you need to make with your babies and your kids. They're acknowledging, by allowing the angel to tell them what to name that baby, that it's God's baby and not theirs how many times do we get caught up in the excitement and i get it of the birth of a kid i mean that's an exciting time we're so pumped and and you know if we're not careful subtly satan will lie to us and go look what you did look what you did and i got i got news for you uh and by the way the moron u.s congressman and senator that some of you I know i'm just going to call it idiots voted for she announced on friday This is where our country has come to. And I don't try to get political here very often, but I am on this issue. There was a couple of our women senators who stood on television Friday and denounced and said that if you support abortion, uh, that, uh, that, listen, abortion, how she said it, let me quote her correctly, abortion saves lives. Now, you can argue and disagree all you want about the ramifications of women's rights and all that stuff. We can have that debate, and we do and we are, and I can, I can respect th- that you're wrong, but I, we can have that debate. But you cannot take truth and just arbitrarily pull it out of your backside and say a lie straight out of the pits of hell that abortion saves lies. That doesn't even make science sense, much less God sense. Are you with me? But if you're not careful, while we get angry and frustrated with that kind of stupidity, how many of us believe that our children are our gift? And look what we have produced. And I'm telling you, if you want to save your kid downstream, you better begin with recognizing that is a gift of God, and it's not yours. Mary and Joseph From the very beginning, realize God has given us this gift, and we owe it back to him to let him teach us how to raise this gift, pursue his righteousness. Now they take it up a notch in verse 22. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, what you and I don't understand, if you don't know Leviticus law very well, how many of you are very astute at Leviticus law? That's what I thought. We're in Mississippi. So here's the thing you need to know about the Levitical law for the Jews back in the day. You were to carry your child. There's three ceremonial laws that a good good practicing Jew would do in those days. And Mary and Joseph pursue God's laws in righteousness. You notice what I'm saying again? They're trying... To help raise their baby upstream to follow God. So they do do the purification laws. And one of those purification processes is that you bring them to the temple. That's where the whole scene of Luke 2 and 22 is happening. And there you present a lamb as a sacrifice for your children to say, We want God's blessing to be upon our kid. But here's something interesting that happens, Drew. Mary and Joseph are poor. And there was a provision in the Old Testament Leviticus law that if you were poor, let's just, let's just call it what it was, you were from the wrong side of the tracks. You couldn't afford a lamb. In our vernacular today, you were white trash. I can't believe our pastor said that about Mary and Joseph. If you lived in their day, that's how you would have judged them. Because those of you that think that stupid way of judging everybody by their standards, then you would have judged Mary and Joseph in your little self-righteous world. That's how you would have saw them. And all they could afford, Miss Marie, was a couple of doves and pigeons. Pigeons for the sacrifice of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But here's the key. Are you listening to me, Mom and Dad? Mary and Joseph didn't give a rip of what the religious community thought. Mary and Joseph wasn't worried about impressing everybody else with how spiritual they were with their kids. Mary and Joseph said, you know what? God's required that we bring them and honor Him. And they didn't care how anybody viewed them. They didn't care what they looked like. They brought them, Jesus, in their poverty and they did the very best they could to pursue God's righteousness. And there's a great message in that. You all need to quit trying to raise your kids based upon what everybody else thinks and to make it look good. And you need to pursue his righteousness. And as Mary and Joseph began to do this, what they were demonstrating upstream for their kids, for Jesus to understand is that the most important thing, Jesus is that mom and dad are pursuing God mom and dad are pursuing a righteous God if you want to fix your kids upstream you need to have a home where unequivocally your babies grow up and your babies grow up believing the most important thing about my mom and dad is that they love Jesus they pursue the grace of Jesus. <laughs> well, let me illustrate to you what it looks like, and, and then we're going to apply it and help you guys out a little bit. And this is what it looks like to create in a home the pursuit of God's righteousness. We were in our D group this past Tuesday, and um, you know, I'm starting like my eighth year, or whatever it is, of, of discipling guys. And so I've got, uh, we've got four guys, and uh, three of us are a little bit older, and then one uh, younger guy. And so we got into John chapter 1. So this is like our second session. So we're doing our here journals, and we're into John chapter 1. This is why discipleship, oh my gosh, it just so refreshes you and encourages you. And uh, so we're in John chapter 1 this Tuesday and these guys are some of them are my age you know old geezers and we're in there in John chapter one and the guys just we begin to have a moment and we're in my office and we're and we get to that part of the story of John chapter one where Jesus says to, to Andrew and Peter come follow me and he says to Philip and Nathaniel. Come follow me, and the guys just stopped. And in their own hear journals, they just began to share. You know what, preacher? Man, the devil has been beating me up today. Man, I I am so sick. I, all these years of my life, these guys are in their fifties. I'm talking about where old, and, and and they're sharing with me, and they've been in church most of their life, in and out up and down all over the place and they're sharing with us for the very first time in their 50s this is why discipleship matters and they're saying i'm finally getting it and i'm telling you the holy spirit came down to my office and these guys started weeping and they said all of my life i've struggled with doing devotions all of my life with my kids i wish i could go back and realize that when i would wake up in the morning and feel guilty because i knew i'd sinned yesterday the devil would tell me, You stink as a Christian. You are sorry. You are a horrible husband. And they said, I would live those lies out. Anybody in here ever been beat up by the devil? Anybody in here told by the devil to quit? Let's just call it like it is. You suck as a Christian. You don't do your devotions. You didn't read your Bible right. And they said, Preacher, After the last six months, I'm finally getting it at Connect Church, which you've been screaming at us for about discipleship. And they looked at us, and around the room, Ashley, we began to connect, and they just, tears flowing down their eyes, they said, do you know what Jesus did in John chapter 1? They invited... Peter and Andrew into fellowship. They invited Philip and Nathaniel, and and some of the guys just said, I wake up now knowing it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what I'm thinking about myself. Jesus wants me. Jesus wants me, and because of his righteousness, I run into fellowship with him. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a game changer. When y'all quit listening to the devil's lies, you can quit getting beat up by the enemy. Pursue his righteousness. God wants you. Look at me this morning. God wants a relationship with you. <laughs> Somebody say amen. No matter where we've come from, no matter where we've been. And mom and dad, that's the environment your kids need to grow up in. Not your rules, not all of your regulations, not all your ideas and your dreams. Here's how Dr. Tim Kimmel describes what I just talked about. He makes this great point in his book called Connecting God and Home. You can get it from Andrew in our store over here. And here's what he makes his statement to this argument. Flawed philosophy creates flawed strategy which leads people to embrace flawed tactics. Now, let me hang out there for just a second. This is good. What I'm talking about, how many of us have ideas about how we want to raise our kids? Flawed philosophy is simply this. Now no, notice he says here, and that, so I don't want to heap more guilt on you, so, don't, so hang with me a second. He's not, arguing that you guys are having bad, wicked, evil philosophies, and this is where the devil's so slick. He's saying what you don't have is the best. How many of us raise our kids, and we get those kids, and they're born, and look what I did, and so all we dream about, you know, some of you guys, all you dream about, man, my kid, man, he's going to be on the magazine of, of, uh, of Deer Hunters America. You know, man, he's going to be dressed in camo, and one day he's going to kill the biggest deer. Uh, some of you guys are dreaming about your kid. You can't wait. Man, they're actually going to know how to kick a field goal at state. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be able to, you know, run out there at Ole Miss and ta- tackle and block somebody. Uh, you, you dream about all these things with your kids. And, and the truth of the matter is... We want our kids, and there's nothing wrong to a part of this, that we want our kids to grow up and we want them to get a great education because why? That's what the American dream has said. And by the way, you know how you do it and why you do it. You want your kids to turn out better than your neighbor's kids so you can brag on them and look at the house they got and the car they drive. And let me tell you, you can get your kid to grow up, be healthy, successful with all the degrees and to have the great jobs, make the great money and they can split an everlasting hell wide open and be miserably unhappy people. Well, boy, that was a bubble buster. Because our philosophies Our fault we mean well there's nothing wrong with anything. I just said about your kids growing up But if you make that the priority of your life, then you have a flawed philosophy and By the way it creeps into the church Even you that are raising your kids in this church. Let me just call us out We can become so churchified and this happens in churches all over the country in our community That what we really believe in our philosophy of our church is you guys in the pew are just not smart enough to really know the Bible well. So rather than teach you guys hard truths like today, the depth of the word, what we do, Bubba, is we give you 10 sermon suggestions on how to raise a better kid. You follow these 10 rules and you know, and I got to be honest with you. My personality goes. I like ten. Suggest- I like ten. You know, I like the dynamics of analytics. But you know what I found out? I had all the analytics in the world. I had all the rules to follow for my three sons, and it worked like Apollo doo-doo. I mean, it didn't work. I'm not probably supposed to say doo-doo in church, am I? Sorry. You know who their dad was. And what I'm trying to say is, is your ten rules are not going to work because your kids are going to look at them and go, Yeah, what else you got? And the truth of the matter is, is we create churches and we give you shallow answers that you all want. And then you walk home and you know what happens when your kids go downstream? They realize that those 10 practical things didn't really make a difference in their life because they have no relationship with Jesus. And guess what? They're like, I'm out. And they leave. And then there's the whole other church side of the aisle of the rest of us. That you know what we do is we're going to raise our kids in church. My generation, let's bring our kids to church because that's the youth minister's job. And what we want is we want a safe children's church. we got security teams out here. If you see an ungodly heathen try to walk into our church, Port Chop, you arrest them on the spot. Because I don't want my kids at Connect Church being around people that don't look like us and dress like us. Because the main goal of you raising your kids in church is they've got to be safe. Because only safe, healthy kids grow up and follow Jesus. And that's a great lie from hell. There's been a ton of safe kids who were sheltered from all the bad people and all the bad stuff. And their kids never got hurt. And when they come to 18 and they see how dark and sinful the world is, they run to it. Because our job is not to raise safe, protected kids from ungodly, unspiritual people. So welcome all the rest of you. Because what we need to do is, we raise our kids, we need to teach them. In pursuing Jesus, they learn what's good and bad and what's right and wrong. And by the way, God wants to use us to help bring all those ungodly people into the fold in the first place. Quit running from them and go get them saved. So our philosophies are flawed when we don't pursue His righteousness. We've got to learn to listen to God. Here's what Dr. Ken Boa, if you're into this kind of stuff that I'm talking about today, uh, he's one of my favorite authors on personality development, and here's what he says about this issue of pursuing God's righteousness as parents. Your presuppositions will shape your perspectives, your philosophy. Your perspective will then shape your priorities, your strategies. And your priorities will shape your performance or your tactics. Listen to me. God's desire is that we have an intimate relationship with his people. God wants in you and I to move into a place where we realize that in pursuing God's righteousness, we create a home of grace. Regardless of how your filters interpret the Bible, theologians say of this day and age that we live in, it is an age of grace, and they are right in the New Testament, this 2,000 years. The grace that God extended to you and I, not only is good enough to save us, are you listening to me this morning? It is good enough to help us walk with Jesus. God's plan for you as parents is to pursue him. And as you pursue Him, you create a home, an environment, an experience of God's grace. And what does that look like? Let's wrap it up with this. Principle number two, plan to pursue God's purpose. There's only two thoughts here this morning. Number two, plan to pursue God's purpose. God's purpose for your home and your marriage and to raise these kids upstream, upstream, is to teach them how to be in relationship with God's grace through it all. Simeon makes the case in the argument. Again, notice what he says. And he came into the Spirit in the temple. And they brought him to Jesus. And notice what it's, the text says. He took him in his arms and he blessed God and said... Now let your servants depart in peace according to your word. You're for my eyes have seen the salvation. Prepare the, pe- the presence of the people. But notice what he says in verse 32. A light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. What Simeon was doing and what Anna would later go on and proclaim. Are you listening to me real quickly this morning? Simeon and, and, and Anna are two older generations. Now grandparents, here's where the message comes in for you and I. We need to be like Simeon and Anna. I remember growing up as a kid. And do you know, one of the greatest impacts on my faith and understanding God's grace was not the legalism rules of my childhood. Do you know what I remember? There was a little old white haired lady in our church. She was a lady that never spoke. She was probably not even five foot tall. And Miss Anna Fred, she had that old-timey name. And Miss Anna Fred, never said. I never heard her speak at church the whole time I was growing up as a kid. But Anna Fred was, a, was an older lady. She seemed like she was 120 to me as a kid. I mean, she was just that little, frail little lady. She probably may be soaking, pound, soaking wet, weighed 100 pounds. But Anna Fred was a woman of prayer and grace. And I'll never forget that Anna Fred... This older Anna type lady, Simeon type lady looked at me whenever I graduated from high school and all of the crazy town place that I was at, my parents were screwed up, the legalism of my church, I was about to walk away from faith but knowing that God was calling me to the end of the ministry but I was like I'm out on this because of all the hypocrites in the church and do you know what this, are you listening to me grandparents, this little old Anna type lady Walked up to me. I'd never heard her speak 18 years I've been in that John Brown Church and she looked at me and took me by the hand and she said I've been praying for you for 18 years God has his hand on you Terry Pierce God is going to call you to be a preacher I know God's told me this and God is going to use you to do great things for him That lady died the next year. I've never seen her since, but I will rejoice on the other side because every person that I've ever led to Christ for 30 plus years in the ministry, it was that little old lady that encouraged me and challenged me and kept me going. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just telling you, God wants us to move back to his purpose in our hearts, in our lives. And what does that look like? Now here's the whole key to the sermon, and we'll be done. Grace is not, the only, is not only the relational doorway to God's heart, but it is also the feature of his relationship with us that he consistently uses to maintain closeness to our hearts. Guys, that's it. That is the purpose that God has for you in raising your kids. This is the environment that he wants to create in your home. Grace is not the only relational doorway to God's heart, but it is also the feature of his relationship with us. And that's how he constantly maintains closeness to our hearts. Belen and I failed many times as parents. We made a lot of mistakes in raising our kids, but here's how our days would go and our weeks would go. Belen and I would come to a place where we would have devotions with our kids on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. And on monday tuesdays and thursdays we would have family devotions we didn't have family devotions on wednesday nights because we went to church we didn't have family devotions on sunday because they had to listen to four hours of my preaching uh we didn't have devotions on friday and saturday and listen to me unapologetically because on friday and saturday we just went and had fun but on monday and tuesday and thursday we would gather together three nights a week, not out of legalism, not out of because that's what preacher's kids were supposed to do. We just gathered on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and prayed together. And most of the time, the kids paid very little attention to what we were saying. Most of the time, we didn't have great spiritual moments. They were so Frustrating to deal with but you know what we did. We did them anyway and often what would happen on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday for that 10-15 minutes of chaos in our family devotion type is that we would pray over our kids and Oftentimes Belinda and I would say to our boys. You know what we screwed up this week. Mommy and Daddy's been fighting Mommy wants to kill daddy, valid reasons, but she didn't. And so we would just share with our kids. We made mistakes as parents. And do you know what we created in our home? An environment of grace. And guess what happened? When our kids made mistakes at school, when our kids made mistakes and did things that were wrong, guess what happened? And those devotion times, they learned they could run to mom and dad and tell them about where they screwed up. They learned about the grace of Jesus. It wasn't our rules and our regulations that saved our kids. It was creating an environment that even when you mess up, Jesus still wants you. Mom and dad still wants you. You don't have to follow all the perfect rules and to be safe. Jesus loves you as you are. Somebody say amen. It's creating God's purpose in our homes. And so what Dr. Kimmel's arguing, that grace is our relational doorway into God's heart, and that's what our kids need. Do you know that Starbucks that you guys talk about is a verb? Starbucks is a verb. And here's what I mean by that. You all tell me, and that's why we got a coffee bar out here. Man, I'll tell you what, don't you dare talk to me before um, I have my coffee. If I don't get my, what is it, grande and uh, my latte, uh, then man, I'm in no mood. And so you guys go to Starbucks, and you pay over five bucks for a John Brown cup of coffee. Y'all are pathetic. And Starbucks. And here's what's going to offend some of you. Starbucks is nothing to do about the coffee. Why, I guarantee you, my latte is. It's not about the coffee at all. Starbucks is about the culture. And their culture is you have an experience when you come to, to Starbucks. It's a verb. And that word never existed until they created the coffee chain, and millions of people all over the world go to Starbucks for the experience, and they spend all of their money on the culture. And here's what happens at Starbucks every day all around the world. Old men take their newspaper, and they go to Starbucks, and they spend over five bucks on a cup of coffee that they could go get at the gas station for two-thirds less. But they take that and they sit there at Starbucks and read their newspaper. And young couples come in and they get their cappuccinos and their foam and their, all oh, whatever y'all do. And, uh, and they get their cinnamon, pe- pe- pecan coast, crunch, crunch, I don't know, anyway, uh, pumpkin spice, whatever, all that cr- stuff you guys do. And they sit there and young couples with their pumpkin spice latte look at each other in each other's eyes. And these young millennials go... You are so wonderful. Your eyes are so gorgeous. And then she says back to him, You smell so good with your ex body spray. <laughs> and you do all of these things. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, and you do all of these things. And why? Over a John Brown cup of coffee at Starbucks. Because they've created an environment, a cultural experience. Now, here's the truth, and here's my argument. At Starbucks, the average statistic says this. They spend pennies on the dollar for the quality of the coffee. Pennies on the dollar. The other four fifty dollars is spent on environment and the culture of the store. And you guys buy it and you love it. And it's cool. How about we get back to the place where in your home, In your home, your home, this church has created a culture in the last two years, a culture of grace, and it has changed our worship. It has changed how we're living our lives. Amen? God wants you to do the same in your home. You need to spend the time and the energy that we're creating a culture of grace in our home. That we're not looking for perfect kids. We're not looking for self-righteous kids. We're not looking for our kids to measure up to what everybody else thinks. We're not worried whether our kids graduate with the greatest degrees or make the most money. We don't give a rip about that. What we want our kids to know is to pursue the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He has a plan and he has a purpose. And as long as they follow that, we're cool. Creating a culture and experience in our home of grace. Shall we stand? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your message this morning. We thank you for reminding us today of what it means to know a Jesus that longs to save us. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your savior, I want to invite you to just pray this prayer right now. Dear God, I have failed you and I am a screw up. I am a sinner. And I desperately need the blood of Jesus Christ to wash away my sins. I believe that your son died and buried, rose again on the third day, paid the debt of my sin that I could never pay. And right now, I want to invite Jesus Christ into my heart, into my life. I want a relationship of grace with Jesus. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, look at me this morning. We're going to have a verse of invitation in just a second. I want you to come to this old-fashioned altar. And I want you to make a public profession of that faith and let our counselors meet with you and share with you how to begin to have a living, going forward relationship with Almighty God. Now, church, look at me this morning. What's the plan for you raising your kids? What's the purpose that you want to raise your kids for? I believe Luke chapter two makes a great argument. Let's create a culture of grace in our home. Would you come as we sing? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.